0: Today is May 27th, 2021, In our first story, an Atlanta councilman who voted to defund the police was carjacked by a group of children and then blamed himself and is refusing to press charges. Cities across the country are backpedaling and now providing more funding to police as defunding them backfired. In our next story, a woman complains that her husband won't take off his mask even for sex mask derangement syndrome is real and the media has caused this and in our last story republican governors are bragging that democrats have fled blue cities and are joining red states and becoming republicans before we get started leave us a good review give us five stars and if you really like this show please share it it's the most powerful way to help make sure people are informed now let's get into that first story in his support for Black Lives Matter and defunding the police. Atlanta City Council member Antonio Brown voted to defund the police department in Atlanta by $73 million. The vote barely failed just by one vote. It almost happened. And now we have a story going viral. This Atlanta City Council member was at a ribbon cutting ceremony when a group of children carjacked him. Or jumped into his car and stole it, dragging him down the street. What's fascinating about the story is that the man is doubling down on his rhetoric and his calls for some kind of defunding of the police or some kind of police reform, saying this is clearly the fault of the system. And that's the problem with this ideology, or perhaps lack thereof. Maybe these people just want power, and so they must maintain the lie. They can never accept that what their policies are doing are causing massive damage. And so we get language from this man where he says it's clearly an, is- an issue of systemic racism and desperation. And oh, these poor children who carjacked me. What I find funny about this council member statements is that even affluent children commit crimes. So how about you enforce the law and stop people from committing crimes, even if they are children? It's a bankrupt ideology, and we are seeing the ramifications of this in many other cities. Crime, of course, is skyrocketing, and it's particularly bad in places where the left is gaining more and more power, notably in Portland, who saw their murder rate, murder rate climb by 800 percent. I think the actual number is like 766, but we'll round up. How about that? And now the real ramifications, many cities are rolling back their defunding measures and they are, quote, refunding the police. I'll stress this because it was really funny the first time I heard refund the police because I was like, wait, refund them what? Like, what did they buy? Like, you got to give them their money back. Oh, no, 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 you mean provide them funding again because defunding the police clearly didn't work, I guess. I can bring up every single segment I've ever done, pointing out that this is backfiring. And now we can see exactly what the problem is. While many of these cities are forced to reconcile with their failures, you still have people like this Atlanta City Council member who's doubling down on the rhetoric. And because he is a spineless jellyfish of a politician, he won't acknowledge what the problem is. You need law enforcement. Now, he's not completely wrong. Crime and poverty do breed. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, poverty does breed crime and crime does contribute to the expansion of poverty. It's very difficult to gain wealth when people are robbing each other. And so you need something to change all of this. And I think at the very least, you can take a look at how the suburbs are behaving. Because I covered this the other day in the suburbs. The police have actually started arresting more people for lower level for lower level crimes and crime has not escalated to murder. In the cities where they've demanded reforms, it's the opposite. In minority neighborhoods, crime and murder specifically is on the rise. And they're not arresting people. In this instance, the Atlanta City Council member may have gotten some comeuppance as police didn't respond to the carjacking. Let's read the story, though, and I'll break down all of the nitty gritty details, show you exactly what he says. And then we'll talk about all of these cities that are backpedaling and saying, you know what? The cops actually need more funding. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member. Just click the big members only button and you can sign up with Stripe or PayPal. This helps my company grow. Your membership allows us to hire more journalists, create new programs. So if you really think what I talk about is important become a member and the most important thing you can do, seriously, if everybody who watched this video shared the video, I'd be bigger than CNN overnight. And that's not an exaggeration. So if you really care then please consider sharing. Please like this video and subscribe to this channel. And when you become a member at TimCast.com, you get exclusive content, the members-only segment. So check it out. There's a bunch of really awesome stuff, really serious stuff, and a lot of stuff YouTube doesn't let us talk about. Now, let's break down this news story. WSBTV reports Atlanta City Council member has cars stolen by kids while meeting with community leaders. And of course, we can see from the ground news extension, it is overwhelmingly conservatives reporting this story. Why? Well, for obvious reasons, it does make the left look bad, but you still have left wing sources reporting on this. They say Atlanta City Council member Antonio Brown said he was on hold with 911 for five full minutes after children stole his car Wednesday. Brown is one of four candidates in the Atlanta's mayor's race this year in which crime has become a driving issue. The councilman told Channel 2's Tom Regan that he was meeting up with people to discuss plans to build affordable housing in the area. Moments after he stepped out of his car, a group of kids jumped in and took it. Quote, These kids were, in my opinion, somewhere between 7 and 11 years old. So you don't immediately think, oh, these kids are going to steal my car, Brown said. Brown said he he had no sooner walked a few feet from his unlocked Mercedes to speak with someone when a group of kids, uh, school-aged kids, jumped in and hit the push-button ignition. He was meeting with Ben Norman of the Dixie Hills Neighborhood Association at the time. Ben attempted to open the door to get the driver out of the car. He fought with Ben. I then engaged and tried to get him out of the car, Brown said. But the young thieves wouldn't stop and sped down the street. The driver started to hit, hit, hit on the gas. Ben let go. And then the kid started to drag me half a block, Brown said. Now, here's where it gets really, really sad and pathetic. He says, I got some scratches and stuff because they took off in a car in the car and I kind of fell down on the ground for a minute. He started to speed up and I knew if I had not let go, I could have killed myself. That's what he said. I could have killed myself. What? Bro, this kid was the one doing it, just like what we saw in D.C., when the guy was in his car and the two young girls jumped in and then he was trying to get him out of the car, they drove and slammed the door into a into a, a, a it was a light post, I believe. And That man lost his life. He didn't kill himself. This kid who stole your car was dragging you. It's not your fault. Accept responsibility. He says, quote, because he was going so fast, I would start to tumble and I didn't want to hurt him. This is the problem we have with these leftist politicians. This is a this is a failure of an individual to recognize what it means to be a leader and for there to be discipline. A bad leader refuses to acknowledge their faults. A bad leader punishes those beneath them and oppresses them because of problems, because of their own mistakes. A good leader recognizes when they have to take responsibility. Not blaming yourself because someone committed a crime. No, he doesn't want to take responsibility for his own ideology, for wanting to defund the police. So he says, I could have hurt him. That is not someone you want leading your city. The councilman said it took police 45 minutes to arrive because 911 incorrectly assigned it as a low priority dispatch. How much do you want to bet? It's because he called 911 and said, I'm just worried about these kids. You know, I almost hurt him. Look at what he's saying. I almost I almost killed myself, you know, but please have these kids get found. They're they're just poor poor children. So they said, "Okay, low priority." And now he's mad at the cops and 911. He said the kids who stole his car and act he, <laughs> he said the kids who stole his car acted out of hopelessness and desperation. This is a generational poverty issue. These kids, it's 12:30 in the afternoon. Why aren't they in school? Why aren't we enforcing systems to ensure that if they're not in school, they're in recreational centers, Brown said. Could it be because you demonize the police and defund them? And who do you think is going to pick them up for truancy? Who is supposed to respond to these calls? I'm sorry. These people are not well. They are, they are, they are either the most ignorant or the most deceptive because he just wants power and that's the game he's playing or he's too stupid to realize it's the cops they're the ones who do this. The councilman said he doesn't intend to file criminal charges against the young people who stole his car, which has not yet been found. Now, a lot of people are pointing out this guy tried to defund the police. It didn't work. We have this story from last year. Atlanta City Council votes down withholding police funding. They say it was a narrow vote. The city council narrowly voted down an ordinance that would have withheld $73 million of the Atlanta Police Department's budget. The 7 to 8 vote came after two teleconference council meetings and a listening session in this past week, during which this the council heard thousands of voicemails of a public comment. Many called for them to defund the police, as a handful of other cities have done in the aftermath of mass demonstrations. So, they go on to mention that Antonio Brown was one of these people. He voted for it. He voted for the provision to defund the police. Now, regardless of whether or not that succeeded, I want to stress it didn't because a lot of people are saying, ah, he voted to defund the police, but they weren't defunded. So perhaps the reason the police are unable to respond is demoralization or just a fear that we will be arrested and charged. You, th- If I was a cop in Atlanta and they were like a bunch of kids stole a car, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm not going anywhere near that. Nowhere near it. And what did he say? Generational poverty. I seem to recall in my youth, a bunch of wealthy suburbanite Chicagoans who cut class all the time and went joyriding, crimes being committed, drinking, doing drugs. In fact, I think that's probably like the the rich kids were more likely to do it than the poor kids because the poor kids had to work to support their families or hustle in some way. But that's probably not true. It's probably just kids do these things. So you get law enforcement and you get cops to stop them and you put a stop on, on the escalation of the crime. I don't know exactly what the right uh, answer is to solving all of this, but I can tell you getting rid of the cops seems to be backfiring. Now, although they didn't defund the police, we still saw in the wake of Rayshard Brooks killing, Atlanta mayor orders police department reforms. So there you go. We saw the blue flu in Atlanta. You remember that? Bunch of cops called in sick. I think it was like 20% of the department. A bunch of cops quit. There was a no-go zone set up and the Wendy's was burnt to the ground. Why? Because a guy who was driving drunk, And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. He's driving drunk, fell asleep on a Wendy's drive through and then when the cops tried arresting him, he punched one of the cops or he fought with them and the one cop got a concussion. Then he stole the taser and ran and turned and fired it at the cop and the cop fired in defense. And now that cop's facing prison. So the cops now are probably thinking, I ain't getting involved in this. So crime's going to get worse. And it is across the board. Crime is getting worse. Murders are up basically everywhere. So they may not have successfully defunded the police, but the mayor still intervened and said, we're reforming. And the cops say, fine, I get a phone call about a bunch of minority children stealing a car. I ignore it, especially this Antonio Brown guy. You think they're going to respond to this guy? That might be some comeuppance. That might be them being like, nah, he's on his own. But I doubt they knew who it was. I mean, maybe 911 dispatch probably said, what's your name, sir? And then relate it. And the cops were probably like, oh, this guy wants our help. Bro, if you don't want cops around, don't call the cops. If you want to defund the police, then who are you to call them for help? And then he says, I don't want to press charges. That's not how it works, bro. You called the cops. Stop playing these dirty games. Now, here's where we are. Refund the police as in re hyphen fund them, fund them again. How U.S. cities are reversing cuts to police budgets and even increasing them by millions in New York City, Baltimore and L.A. as violent crime surges. One year. After many U.S. cities gave in to dramatic proposals to slash police department budgets, some are having second thoughts and quietly seeking to boost funding for cops as violent crime soars. The Democratic mayors of New York City, Baltimore, and Los Angeles are among those now backpedaling on their vows to defund the police as they face fury from residents over spiraling crime rates. Out of the nation's 20 largest police departments, city leaders have already submitted next year's budget proposals for 12. And nine of those request funding increases ranging from one to six percent, according to the Wall Street Journal. The sea change comes a year after the murder of George Floyd. Meanwhile, the murder rate soared on an average of 30 percent across 34 major cities last year and has continued to increase dramatically this year in many places. So here we go. Oakland has proposed twenty seven point three million dollars more. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. $6.4 $6.4 million more. New York, $92 million. Well, that may be more, but I think, didn't New York strip a billion dollars from their police? And then crime skyrockets. Yeah, well, they're trying to get rid of the, 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 the wealthy people. I can, I can only assume that's, that's their goal. Because the people who can afford to flee do flee. And then what's left? Well, after the riots, they struggle to rebuild for, for generations. Like seriously, two or three generations, they struggle to rebuild. Rich people don't want to live there. Rich people don't need to live there. Rich people leave. And then, of course, we can talk about the very serious ramifications. LA increases their budget by or proposes $50 million. Baltimore, $27 million. We have all of these people marching saying, defund the police. Where are we at now? More funding for these cops. Why? Well, this pressure that was placed on these departments resulted in the good cops quitting. They opened up many positions that allow either bad cops Or ideological cops. This can do one of two things. Ideological cops will praise Antifa and be like, thank you for what you're doing. And then they'll go and arrest you. You're anti-establishment. You're anti-woke. They march around giving the red salute. Who's going to get arrested in a confrontation? You are. I hope you don't think I'm joking. There's a woman in Florida who's facing two felony counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to kill. Why? Because a violent mob ran up to her car and started banging on it. And she slowly idled through them. And one fell over and got hurt. And they said, well, you're trying to kill her. That's going to happen. The DAs will charge. The cops will arrest. So this refunding of the place, it's no joke. It's not a good thing. The cops have already been stripped and the cops you like have left. And the new cops coming in are going to be bad cops. And if conservatives don't understand this, then it's only then it's only a matter of time before the department start arresting all the conservatives, and they've already started doing things like that, regular people and conservatives. This is how it happens. You want to throw up the red salute. Okay, then you'll be okay. The DA will let you go so long as you pledge your fealty and raise the red salute. you what the red salute is it's the raised fist like the Black Lives Matter symbol. Daily Mail says in New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio reversed course and promised 92 million. For a new precinct after scrapping the project last summer, as he vowed to slash the NYPD budget by one billion. So apparently they never did. Last month, De Blasio admitted that the initial funding cuts were his response to the environment of the moment, saying the city now has more funds available. Oh well, there you go. That's it. They didn't defund the police. They just got the good cops to quit. In Baltimore, they say that I mentioned all, all of these cities. Let me show you this this, this graph here. Percentage change in homicides. 2019 to 2020. Chula Vista, 150 percent. Chandler, 133. In Madison, 100. Milwaukee, 85. Lincoln, Omaha Seattle, all of these cities. Now, in Baltimore, in in, in Raleigh, Baltimore, St. Petersburg, and Virginia Beach, it looks like those numbers actually went down. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and pander to any tribe and act like there's a one to one ratio between defunding the police and the increase in murders. COVID definitely played a role and a variety of strategies were implemented. But in many of these cities where we've seen much more leftist activity, much more gun control and Democrat policy, there's been a substantial increase in the murder rate. They're going to mention that there was a major spike in April 20th to uh, through about uh, July. And then it started to go down. So they mentioned the pandemic definitely contributed to this. And I think that's very important to point out. We can talk about police reform. We can talk about defunding the police and the escalation in crime. I do think it's fair to say, based on several data points, that there is a relation there. But the, but COVID, as a lock, the, the, the COVID lockdowns definitely played a huge role. Interestingly, it shouldn't have. And this is where things get a bit contradictory. So around the same time they mentioned the pandemic, we also have this red line, which I believe represents, uh, probably represents the, the mass protests and riots. It's hard to know exactly which, uh, I'm sorry, they say a point at which a structural break occurs in the data. So I, I don't know what that means. But at the same time as COVID, we had mass rioting. So it's hard to know exactly what was causing the crime. Uh, I do think both played a role. I think COVID played a big role. The, the lockdowns, people were desperate and broke. However, There were less people out on the street. So we were supposed to be seeing a decrease in crime. That's why I think defunding the police played a massive role in this. We saw windows get smashed out in small towns. Many things that weren't reported by the media. Here's a quote. If you want to fix policing, you have to hire cops. You have to train them differently and hold them accountable. Chuck Wexler, the police executive research forum's executive director, told the journal. The notion that taking away resources is going to improve policing is ridiculous. In New York, elected leaders have had to face facts as shootings soar and seemingly random attacks on strangers regularly make the headlines. Perhaps what we're really seeing is that the riots resulted in demoralization and police just didn't want to be involved anymore. They go on to mention the massive increase in homicides, which for the most part we've covered and we know about. They also mention the Atlanta councilman who was nearly killed by carjackers. Cuomo said the crime wave threatened to derail the city's recovery from the pandemic, noting everything we just talked about. With the economy coming back, you know what the first step is? People have to feel safe. In a swipe at his political nemesis, de Blasio, the governor said that defunding the police was not the correct solution. Until you restore the trust and make the reforms necessary, we're going to have this problem. Defund the police is not the answer. It basically means abolish the police. Now, this is the important point. While we can go back and forth on COVID versus defunding the police, even some Democrats say defunding the police led to this escalation. That's the best I can say, I suppose. That's going to help. Gun violence is going up. All crimes going up and that's going to help. No, it's reform so that the community says I now trust the relationship. I am a lifelong New Yorker. I've seen this cycle over and over and over again. I remember getting on a subway train and making sure there was no jewelry, making sure you weren't wearing a chain. He said that was real. The tension between the state and local leaders also played out this week in Texas, where the state legislature is pushing a bill that would severely punish cities that defund their police departments. Aimed primarily at city leaders in Austin, the liberal-dominated state capital, HB 1900 passed the Texas Senate on Monday over the objections of Democrats. The bill would allow vast tracts of Austin that have been annexed since the 1990s to vote to secede from the city unless police funding is restored. The secession votes could severely hurt Austin's budget if they passed, decimating the city's tax base. The bill would bar Austin from re the areas for 10 years, and only if police funding is restored to prior levels. Texas Governor Grab Abbott, a Republican, has vowed to sign the bill into law. It comes as data continues to show a disturbing national increase in violent crime, with one study showing an increase of 1,200 murders last year compared to 2019. Quote, Homicide rates were higher during every month of 2020 relative to rates from the previous year states a report from the National Commission of COVID-19 and criminal justice. That said, rates increased significantly in June, well after the pandemic began, coinciding with the death of George Floyd and the mass protests that followed. So we saw police constrained, demoralized, attacked, demonized. One thing that happened was that because police were dealing with the violent riots, they couldn't respond to other crimes. And we're also seeing That the crime is dramatically increasing in minority neighborhoods, the murder specifically. That's being reported by the Wall Street Journal, which suggests it's Black Lives Matter. It's the activists. It's happening in specific neighborhoods. And it's happening because police resources are constrained. If it was COVID that was causing the majority of this, you'd see a uniform increase in crime. We don't. We see it predominantly in minority neighborhoods, which means In the suburbs, where Wall Street Journal also reported, I'm sorry, this is Axios, that police are making more arrests. The cities that defunded their police, it is negatively impacting minority neighborhoods. Ocasio-Cortez said she wanted policing to look more like the suburbs. That would mean more arrests, AOC. Instead, you're defunding the police. And instead, it is the minority neighborhoods that are facing the brunt of this. They are, they are impoverished areas that can't afford their police or are, are. when you defund the police, who do you think is first affected? The 26 page study examined crime rates for 10 different offenses, including homicide, aggravated assault and robbery in 34 American cities, ranging in size from Norfolk, Virginia, the smallest sample to New York City, the largest. They go on to show this massive spike. Monthly motor vehicle theft skyrocketed between May and July, and they stayed high. That's crazy. Homicide rates were 30% higher than in 2019. However, property and drug crimes, with the exception of motor vehicle theft, fell significantly in 2020, a trend some researchers attribute to either less community willingness to report minor crimes or less proactive policing. This is another thing you need to understand, too. Homicides are the worst, one of the worst possible crimes you can commit. The police are going to respond to that. I mean, you have to deal with a body. But what if the police don't take a report on certain crimes? Then it just seems like crimes are going down. It's entirely possible that crimes are substantially higher than we realize, but they're not being reported or police are not taking reports. And they're, well, they're not responding. If that's true, it means crime is worse than anyone realizes. And that means you're going to be walking out of your car and a bunch of kids are going to jump in and steal it. And if you don't get real and say they did this, they nearly killed me, it's only going to get worse. It's going to keep happening. They say that they're going to mention the numbers for many of these cities. The three largest cities, New York, LA, and Chicago, accounted for fully 40% of the additional people killed in 2020. While there is variation among the cities, what is most notable is that homicide rose substantially in the vast majority of them. Now, let's not play any games here, okay? If there is an an increase in the percent of murders, you will see more murders in Chicago. I talked about this the other day. While Portland does see an 800% increase in crime, they had like 23 more murders, whereas Chicago had like 200. But 200 uh, in Chicago is like 20-something percent. And in Seattle, it's 800%. So because Chicago has substantially more murders— It looks like the percentage increase is lower. I mean, it is, but that's not really that fair. Chicago's got a lot of people too. So maybe you take that into consideration. Chicago, New York and LA's massive cities will have the bulk of the increase in murders just by proximity and population density alone. We can see everything that's been happening, though. We know everything that's been happening. Check this out from The Hill. Five arrested in connection with shooting of UK Black Lives Matter activist. A Black Lives Matter activist was at some, some event and a shooting happened. It was in London. How does a shooting happen in London with all this gun control? Why are these people shooting at each other? It's because certain, you know, activists who don't want cops. This is the kind of stuff that happens. I'm not surprised by it. You take away funding for police, you see an increase in crime. I'm not a fan of unjust police action or police enforcing unconstitutional law. And I think we're dramatically close to, if not already in the point, where police start bending the knee to the Black Lives Matter activists, the activists that are enriching themselves. Here's the story you may have seen from the New York Post. Inside BLM co-founder Patrice kahn million-dollar real estate buying binge, they defund the police. They say the police are bad. They make millions, if not a billion plus in fundraising off of the lies. Then the cities suffer for it. And what do they do? They once again blame the police. And that's the point. They want to make more money. They want to perpetuate the lies. So we saw this, uh, this guy in, in Atlanta, Tony O'Brown. And he's saying it's, it's generational poverty and racism because it, he needs to maintain the lie. Critical theory critical race theory. He needs to keep telling you it's always going to be racism. Some kids just stole your car, dude. The fact that you won't call them out, in my opinion, is racist because sometimes kids just commit crimes, whether they're rich or poor or black or white. But there you go. They're going to keep claiming it's not their fault. It's the system. That's what's at fault. And they're going to make more and more demands. Black Lives Matter fights disinformation to keep the movement strong. And with their allies in media pushing the lies, it will persist. It will likely get worse. NPR reports. They mentioned George Floyd. They say uh, George Floyd died. Support for Black Lives Matter. The movement that actually began, the hashtag surged. To this day, posts on social media continue to call for racial justice, but also online are posts riddled with disinformation, including those specifically targeting BLM. Activists charge that those disparaging posts are part of an overall effort to undermine the movement and its message. Sure, maybe some people somewhere. But when we see Antifa and Black Lives Matter go around smashing up windows and burning them down, burning down buildings, and then we hear from Democrats, it's all not true, and then we hear from their allies in media, it's not true, and these people don't even know what's happening, where's the real disinformation? Where's the real omission? Now, we may be falling into a trap, many of us, because we see so much news about Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. We think it's uh, the entire city's on fire. But I think most people who are watching videos like this one right now are more discerning than that and recognize there are some violent instances. There are some fires. It's happening too much and it should stop. But it's, of course, not the entire city. Now, let me break something down for you. The lies they push. They say it was only in one part of the city where the riots were happening in Ferguson. They say, oh, conservatives said the city was burning down. It was just one city block, West Florissant. I mean, it was pretty long. I think it was like a mile where they torched all these buildings in Ferguson. Most of you probably know my story from Egypt. When I was in Egypt, I could see Tahrir Square from my window. I was watching the revolution of, a, of several thousand people jumping up and down. Yet a few blocks away, was a McDonald's where a guy was watching soccer and eating a burger. I don't know what he was eating. He was eating a burger or something. Whatever he was eating, fries, it's McDonald's. Life was normal. I mean, not really, but it's not like people think it is. This is this was literally a country in revolution. And you could travel, you know, I don't know how many miles to Heliopolis and go to the mall, and I did. And I'm walking around, they had drones for sale or something like that, and they had cell phones, and I got like kebab, and it was delicious. You could go inside the hotel only a few blocks from Tahrir and gamble. When you hear stories about several city blocks of riots, you need to understand that's led to revolution several times. The journalists will say so long as the entire city isn't on fire, you're lying and it's not that big of a deal. When I was in Baltimore during the riots, it was the entire city. It was the entire city. Now, of course, the rioting was isolated in one, in one part of the city. But we were driving around, and you'd see just like two or three people smashing windows and climbing in and stealing stuff, and it was all over. It makes it harder for people to climb out of, out of poverty when everyone's just stealing from each other and destroying each other's businesses and lives. The left steps in and then defends it and says, oh, it just, it's just proof, proof that we should do more. And the more they do, the worse things seem to get. You get to the point where one of these guys leaves his car and children steal it. And what does he do? He says, I almost killed myself and I didn't want to hurt him and I won't press charges. Let me know how that works out for you. He didn't care though. He doesn't want to offend the tribe or get canceled. So these lunatics will keep pushing policy that will keep making things worse. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcast at 8 p.m. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all next time. I don't often start segments with stories like this, stories that individually don't matter all that much from Slate.com. My husband won't take off his mask even for adult relations. We're both vaccinated now. When will this stop? Now, I could start with the story about Facebook lifting the ban. On suggesting COVID-19 was man-made. I could talk about James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, showing more leaks from Facebook. They were banning liberty-based and religious-based objections and skepticism. I'm going to read those. But I want to start with the real ramifications for COVID derangement syndrome. Trump derangement syndrome. You're familiar with this. Well, the media went nuts. No matter what Trump did, it was bad. No matter what Trump did, it was wrong. And now we're at this period We've been in this, we've been in this moment for some time now. While COVID is serious, yeah, while I think you should talk to your doctor about, you know, how you, how you, uh, whether the vaccine is right for you and what you need to do. It's true that there are people in the media that will tell you everything is worse than it ever has been and will never get better. And from this, we get stories about people, these liberal city dwelling guys, terrified, absolutely terrified. People need to calm down. You need to get sound medical advice. I was talking with Jack Murphy the other day on the IRL podcast. It's a bonus segment over at TimCast.com. Check it out. And he mentions that when he contacted his doctor uh, asking for the recommendation on the vaccine, they said, we've got to get back to normal. My response was, Jack, that's not a medical opinion. That's a political opinion. You need, to, you need to ask your doctor about what are my risk factors? What are the benefits? Does it make sense for my health? And not take political opinions into account when you're talking about your health. Now you have this guy who just follows mainstream news. And this is what happens when you get Facebook banning real news. That was one of the big revelations from Veritas. That Facebook said they will ban true information if it, if it makes people hesitant to getting the vaccine. It's simple. Ask your doctor for the medical information, for medical opinions. Be wary of anyone, TV doctors, comedians, or people on the internet like me. Don't take political opinions into account. Health is all that matters. But let me read you this, and then we'll, because this is the real ramification. Maybe it's silly. I don't know. But this is the real ramification that affects regular people. The story goes, Dear Prudence, I have been married to a great guy for five and a half years. He is handsome, sexy, funny, and kind. It's true that he's always been a little prissy about illnesses, but I never thought it was a real problem. However, during the pandemic, his terror about getting sick has reached new levels. For the last year, he has refused to take off his face mask, even when we are at home, just the two of us. This is true even now that he is fully vaccinated for the virus. He wears it to sleep, to do most of his bathroom activities, and yes, even during lovemaking. To eat, he pulls it up to expose his mouth and then quickly pulls it back, town, back, back down between bites. While he does while he does not insist that I do the same, I can tell it bothers him that I don't, especially because I have now started doing, going maskless outside per the CDC guidelines and plan on restaurant dining inside soon for a girl's night out. When I have tried to present him with the science, he says, quote, scientists don't fully understand the virus yet, or I, do, I know it probably isn't necessary. But wearing it doesn't bother me. So if there's even a small chance that it can protect us, I'd rather be on the safe side. What's the harm? Well, by that logic, wear a hazmat suit, wear a a space helmet because, hey, there's even a small percent chance. No, but I mean it. I really do. If that's your mentality, go, go, go the full, uh, you know, go all into it. Why not? She says, I disagree. There's no harm. I want to see my beautiful husband's face again. I want to kiss him on the lips romantically like we used to and not through a piece of fabric. He does not change his mask very often, and it's often smelly and soiled, and I don't want to feel judged by him for my own behavior, which I consider reasonable. This is making me depressed and concerned about our future together. I asked him when he plans to stop masking, and all he says is when it is safe for everyone. What if this has become a permanent part? What if this becomes a permanent part of him? My mother, who is very conservative, thinks that I should move out. But I don't think I'm ready for that step yet. What I want is my husband back. How can I get through to him? This is media-driven derangement. It has been the case since last year. And we've got to reconcile. We've 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 got to fight through this. Now, it's true. Everybody, from me to Steven Crowder to Jimmy Dore, We constantly make, you know, regardless of political spectrum, we make content that is like negative and and shocking and makes people feel like things are getting worse. I don't know. I kind of, I do feel like things are getting worse. Maybe it's because we're trapped in this whirlpool. I don't know. But look at this. This is the mainstream media. This is CNN and MSNBC. So the good news is their ratings are way, way down. But when all they do is put out this fear-mongering, chaotic, the, the, the end is nigh information. Trump, orange man, bad. People get scared. They get terrified. Now, for a lot of these people, it's not even the media. They go out to Target to buy some milk, and they see a sign saying, you know, pandemic, and that's their only exposure is this constant fear everywhere. I think precautions are reasonable. I think maybe we made mistakes in the last year I think certainly Democratic governors committed violent uh, and, and criminal acts, and maybe we made mistakes and maybe we didn't. We knew what we knew at the time. We trusted who we trusted at the time, and now we'll use that information moving forward. I don't blame people and I don't have regrets. I don't. I say, well, you know, uh, moving forward, let's take this information into consideration. I don't have regrets for the most part because I can only do what I think is best. And so when it comes to the guidelines that come out, you know, when Fauci was saying don't wear a mask and it was very early on and we trusted Fauci, I said, look, you know, I, I think Fauci's on point. And then I quickly realized that the dude was full of it. Uh, I shouldn't say quickly. It's relative because he came back out later and changed his mind. I'm like, come on, man. You know, it, look, it, you got to you, you got you to gotta tell us. He comes out later and says he was just saying that because he wanted doctors to get masks. And now, and now I'm kind of pissed. Now I'm pissed off. But can you blame me for trusting the officials that even Donald Trump trusted? Trump didn't fire the guy. Trump kept him around. And in the beginning, everybody thought it was, you know, hey that's what we, we got to do. It's only in hindsight that we realize Fauci was giving us bad advice. Now you have stories like this. The response, dear maskless and alone. I suspect your mother and I would agree on almost nothing COVID related, except the fact that your husband's behavior is alarming. What's the harm is such an insidious phrase. It's not a question. It's a statement of leave me alone. But there is lots of harm in leaving him alone. Harm to his mental health, to yours and to your relationship. You need to sit down with him at a time free of heightened emotions. So not right after love making. I am impressed. Is that the word that you are? Is that the word that you're still sleeping with him? Tell him all about the harm here. His behavior is alienating you and certainly not offering him any real protection against disease. Give him three options. First, he can make an appointment with his visit with his physician to talk about the effective protective measures. If he does this, he has to commit to following the the doctor's recommendations. And if you have to be and you have to be present, so he can't lie to you about what what happens there. Hopefully, his doctor will say he has to do option number two. Start uh, start seeing a therapist. If he chooses this, he has to commit to at least six sessions. Finally. He can decide because it would be his decision if he doesn't take another action to, uh, if he doesn't, but, but if he isn't, uh, okay, uh, if he doesn't take another action to call an end to the relationship, I know you want your husband back, but he isn't that husband right now. And he needs to understand just how serious this is. To be clear, you have to mean it when you say that the relationship has to end if he doesn't make progress. But I think that would be the right move. If he goes with one of the first two options, you should promise to do the legwork, finding him a therapist, making appointments. Your husband is in the middle of a long-running crisis, and that is the worst time to have to navigate our completely patient-unfriendly mental health care system. Once he has committed to some sort of treatment, see if you can get him to promise to change his mask every day until he feels secure going without it. If you don't have enough at home, there are lots of deeply discounted masks available now, but I don't want... I don't want you to leap with the demand to change his mask every day because that could open the door to negotiations around behavior. And what you need here is to address the problem itself. And we'll be thinking about you. Is this real? Is someone screwing with Slate? I don't think so. I, I, I do think it's real. I mean, look, you see people like David Hogg saying, I don't want people to think I'm conservative, so I'll keep wearing the mask. That's that's unhinged. That is absolutely unhinged. I'll tell you what drives this. Facebook banned. They banned any suggestion that COVID was man-made. No, because Fauci said so, I suppose. Even when you had Nobel laureates, journalists, virologists, and doctors saying this was a real possibility, Facebook would ban anybody who posted about it. So what happens is this liberal guy, this, you know, mask wearing dude only gets the most insane news filtered to him. And then he starts believing extremely insane things. The, 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 the stories are incredibly lopsided. He is not experiencing reality nor looking at data. He gets scared. He panics. And it's not just about banning saying that COVID came from a lab. We have this story from Project Veritas from two days ago. Facebook whistleblower reveals secret filter for liberty-based and religious-based objections and skepticism, including vaccine passports. They say... On the heels of Project Veritas bombshell Facebook insider release on Monday, there is more information coming out from our insider's leaked documents, expanding on the company's efforts to stifle comments critical or skeptical of COVID-19 vaccines. In addition to, to classifying coronavirus related comments into a tier one and tier two system in the name of demoting vaccine hesitancy, there is also a tier three category which filters content that expresses or advocates for Objections or skepticism about vaccines based on personal beliefs or opinions, including liberty-based objections or skepticism, religious-based objections or skepticism, personal objections or skepticism, political and institutional-based vaccine objections or skepticism, and development-based vaccine objections or skepticism. A lot of people post a lot of crazy stuff. Nudes. Yeah, you know, we talked about this the other day in in the bonus segment on Timcast IRL, so definitely check it out. Because we 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 like asking important questions, and a lot of the questions we ask can't be done on YouTube. But I do point out a lot of people are wondering what's in the vaccines. Seriously, the, the, the ingredients are all on the CDC's website. I'm not kidding. You can pull them up. There's a PDF and they talk about what you need to be concerned about in terms of allergies. You can present these things to your doctor. Make sure you're asking for a medical opinion based on your history, because that's 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 often the objection that I hear people say, well, my doctor is concerned. I don't care if they're concerned about politics. You just ask, like, okay, here's my here's my age. Here's my history. What I don't like is that you have these vaccine centers and they don't know your medical history. And some of these places do. And so I just say, trust your doctor when you give them your your medical history. I would take their advice it's it's you, you can't fall into the trap of just believing biased news. And it really is tough. Take a look. at So I have the, ground.news, uh, I have the ground, ground News uh, browser extension. The story from Project Veritas shows that 100 percent of the sources that have reported on Project Veritas's revelations are right wing, no centrist and no left wing outlets. So how is it that some some regular guy is banging his wife while wearing a mask? And he won't take it off because he doesn't see these stories, because the news is biased, because he has. Well, he lives in a bubble. He lives in a gigantic bubble. So I I think the same is true for many of us as well. We constantly hear stories about the worst possible uh, scenarios with with vaccines. And there's very real concerns and very real considerations. And many of them are listed on the CDC's website. I don't want to tell you, man, You know, I mentioned that uh, I've gone to doctors before and they prescribe a bunch of things. I have no idea what they are. And I look them up at the end of the day. Your health is your responsibility. But if you can't trust your doctor, I don't know what to tell you, man, because if you're going to trust social media posts more than your own doctors on their medical opinions. Well, then I think we got much, much bigger problems. And don't get me wrong. Doctors can be susceptible to to political news in the same way this guy could. And that's why I think it's very simple. You like. The, the objection I get is, you know, my doctor said we got to get back to normal and, you know, everyone's got to do it. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. OK, I'm this age, I'm male. You know, I have these allergies. Here's my medical history. And these these things are listed on the CDC website. Ultimately, you've got to decide what's right, decide what's right for you. But I think it's a personal choice. I think you know, you're you, what comes down to it. You need to be responsible for your own health. When I after traveling the world and, and you know, there's a lot of dirty water. I've had conversations with doctors about, um, you know, like, you you want to be concerned about parasites, you want to be concerned about water bugs and things you might get traveling. And there have been a variety of options in terms of things people do when they travel into very dangerous and dirty places. I look up the, uh, the medication and I say, this one seems to be not good for me. And they said, oh, okay. And then they offered me an alternative. So there's a lot of progress being made. And I think it's just comes down to you being reasonable and being careful with the with the media you consume. There are a lot of people on the right that will probably only see stories from, say, Project Veritas or right wing sources, and they'll have a very different view. And that's why I tell people you've got to read a little bit of everything. Clearly, this 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 guy wearing a mask has lost it. Why? Living in a bubble don't think you are immune to living in a bubble too. We can sit back and look at this guy and be like, wow, is he crazy? That's so weird. But how many of you also find yourselves in a bubble? I would say that uh, you're doing well. You're watching my show already and I'm weir- a weird channel. I don't know. I've had conservatives say they can't quite figure me out and I'm like, I don't know or care, whatever. Like this is a slate.com website article where they're actually saying this guy's unwell. This is Slate saying. These are leftists. This guy's unwell. Project Veritas has some some really important information, and we're now learning that the narrative is changing, which means you can't blindly trust the mainstream media, but don't fall into the trap of blindly believing right-wing media either.
2: It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield a free quote by visiting CarShield online at CarShield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to CarShield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today.
0: Now, I, I think right-wing media tends to do a better job in a lot of ways, but they're far from perfect because nobody is, which means you want to get a balance. I try to use not just right-wing sources, but left-wing sources as well. I just fact-checked them. I, 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 you know, I see something from NBC News. I'll pull up a bunch of different sources, and the best I can do is find some kind of consensus or, more importantly, some kind of source material. So when I see a video claim that so-and-so did a thing like the Covington kids, I'll say, show me the video. Proof or it didn't happen. I'm not going to talk about it. And thus, there have been a bunch of stories where—here's uh, a good example. Fox News reported— That or or I don't know the exact phrasing they used, but there was a report that led many to believe that Joe Biden wanted to ban burgers that like you would have you'd be allowed to have one cheeseburger per month. A lot of people then started posting Biden's new plan would restrict cheeseburgers. The real story was that there was a report which suggested if we want to get climate change under control, we have to dramatically reduce the amount of beef we eat. This somehow got misconstrued into Biden's plan restricts beef, which it doesn't do. Those things happen as well. Watch your own blind spots because you think this person's nuts. This person is but man, have I seen some real crazy conspiracy stuff. You know what I think about all the vaccines? I think you've got big pharmaceutical companies, and there is money to be made in big business, and you've got to take these things into consideration. I've never been a big fan of big multinational corporations and pharmaceuticals. While recognizing COVID is serious, it really just comes down to, is it right for me? That's it. And I can't tell you. Your doctor can help you, but be wary because everybody is susceptible to politics. You've got to check your own blind spots. What we're what I'm talking about here with Project Veritas, the reason why I highlight them, the reason why I highlight the Facebook story saying Facebook is lifting this ban is because these contribute to people not understanding what's really going on. The fact that the left and, re- and mainstream media won't report on these revelations from Veritas shows you regular people are not being exposed to this information and you are. It's also possible that's you are not being exposed to certain information as well. That's why I say watch Jimmy Dore, watch Steven Crowder, watch Sticks, Hex, and Hammer, watch my show, watch uh, who's, who's, who's a good Kyle Kalinske or uh, The Hills Rising with Crystal and Cigar. I mean, they do a great job. Progressive and conservative populist types. You've got to just get a good, healthy balance. Ground News does a good job of it. Isn't that a sponsor spot? But they do show the breakdowns. And so I, I do like using this. In the end, I think the biggest problem we have is that the fringe element of the right that believe ridiculous things and fake news are uh, not institutional. A bunch of the conservatives who have come on my show have been vaccinated. They're fine. So I'm I'm not going to tell you what to believe, but they're fine. Uh, A lot of them, surprisingly, you know, we had Janice Dean, fine. Uh, Jim Hansen, fine. A ton of people have come out and been like, I don't know, I don't care. Like, it's been, it's been no big deal. No one had any issues. Uh, one, one person came on and said that they had, you know, some, some mild side effects. And I'm like, I think the media, what this guy's doing with the mask thing, you've also got to recognize that the media will do to you with vaccines, because there are a lot of stories about, you know, side effects and things like that, because they're real go to the CDC website and they'll tell you about the reality of allergies and adverse effects. There's the vaccine adverse event uh, reporting system. But you got to consider with the, with the you know, how many people have been vaccinated, like a billion plus. Side effects are real and the media is going to highlight every single one. So don't become the mask-wearing guy banging his wife. Make sure you're getting a balanced view of this. I'll give you my, my analogy. I call this the scaling problem that should help you understand. If a hundred phones are produced by a company, and they're given out to celebrities, and 1% of of that batch breaks. You get one celebrity going, hey, my phone doesn't work. Nobody cares. One celebrity saying my phone broke. Nobody cares. 99 work. What if they put out 100 million of these phones, and then you have a million stories of broken phones? Still 1% failure rate, but now everyone's like freaking out because they keep hearing story after story after story about broken phones. So make the choice that's right for you. Do your research, but please be careful about becoming these mask, you know, this mask guy. I don't, I I think the the mRNA stuff sounds really, really incredible. And I genuinely mean that. I mean, uh, uh, this technology could theoretically, they're they're talking about cures for cancer. They're talking about new uh, vaccines that could uh, stop uh, the common cold and things like that. So I don't know. I take into consideration that the mainstream media is biased. I take into consideration that it's hard to navigate this space. And I also understand for you that are watching, it's hard to know what to trust, especially when your job isn't to be a journalist. Therein lies the challenge. So why I say the truth, the truth is often closer to the middle. Be wary of people who make money off of shock content about vaccines and be wary about leftist outlets that make their bread and butter telling you to to just follow the tribe and do whatever. You know, Anthony Fauci is a TV guy. They love him even when he contradicts himself. The guy is not giving good advice. Talk to a doctor. Ask for a medical opinion on specific medical grounds. Get a second opinion. Do what you think is right, but don't fall into the traps of these weird bubbles on either side. It's tough. It is. And in the end, you're entitled to believe what you believe based on what you've watched. And if you don't like what I have to say, I respect your opinion and uh, make sure you watch other other channels. It's that simple. And I'll stress again, I've had a bunch of people who have come here who have been vaccinated and there's never been an issue. But I do have some personal stories about, uh, um, you know, friends who have gotten sick. So it's just I think in the end, the, the media bubbles, the hyper partisanship and Facebook censorship the restricting of certain information is making people lose it. We need healthy sound media. I don't think I'm perfect, but hopefully you can be more discerning. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The culture war has been on a path of escalation for nearly a decade now. I have no reason to believe that things will calm down. Of course, many Democrats thought by simply not having Trump as president, everything would go back to normal, not realizing that war was at their doorstep. not hot war. Call it cold civil war. Call it culture war. But there has been some physical violence, but it's here. It's not going to go away. It's only getting worse. It's unfortunate. I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but perhaps it's not pessimism. Perhaps it's just realism. We are seeing a dramatic demographic shift. We are seeing people line up on ideological lines. Now, of course, those of you who are watching, you know me. I seem to think or I tend to think that the Democrats and the left voters are living in a fantasy reality. Of course, the Republicans and the right have their fantasy conspiracy individuals as well, but they're not institutional. They don't command the party They don't dictate the narrative among those who challenge the establishment. So a good example, a a good way to understand this is the most prominent voices on the anti-woke, anti-establishment side and the right are not fringe conspiracy theorists, but the most prominent voices on the left are. So what happens? Well, we have the story from the Daily Mail. Red state governors tell Hannity Town Hall how harsh lockdowns in liberal states, have turned Democrat voters into Republicans who have fled and are now boosting their economies. It's a really interesting thing about to play out. Think about this for two seconds. If you're a conservative and you think these these do nothing liberals are just extracting the value of the working class, case in point, those who want their student loan debt paid off, why they're the highest salary earners in the country uh, on average by mediums median salary. And they want everyone else to pay their debt off with through inflation and mass spending. How absurd. Maybe you're a liberal and you say these cities are producing most of the GDP. What are the red states? They're just they're just suckling tea to big old government, taking payouts from the government. Okay. Well, how about we shut that argument down right now and say, welcome to the experiment, my friends, because people are shuffling through this country and lining up. Red areas get red. Blue areas get blue. Democrats flee red areas to blue areas and more conservative leaning individuals in blue areas flee to red areas. Look at all the people fleeing to Texas. I think Texas is going to get redder because you've got most of the culture war right type individuals, not necessarily conservative or Republican, moving there and saying F you to the Democrats. I am a really good example of this. I lived in New York. I lived in New Jersey in the Philadelphia suburb. Now, West Virginia. But interestingly, Milk Toast Fence Center Tim Pool is still between a red state and a blue state, Maryland and West Virginia. So it'll be interesting to see how this is going to have an impact on 2022. And I believe this is a really good example of the escalation, because those who are more inclined to be culture war right will move to freer areas and the culture war left to bluer areas. It will create hard divisions. At the very least, you could see a Trump flag in your neighborhood in a big city but then as, as cancel culture expands and gets crazier, those people leave. Now you will have Democrats saying, I don't know a conservative. Conservatives saying, I don't know a Democrat. And then the demonization becomes easier. They're the bad guys, the other. And there it is. The lines will be drawn physically. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Now we have this story from Daily Mail talking about how these governors are saying, Democrats are becoming Republicans. Well, check this out. We have this story from the AP leaving home. West Virginia population drop is largest in U.S. Now, according to Ground News's bias analysis of the 30 sources that report on West Virginia dropping in population, it is mostly leftist and centrist, with only six of 30 being right wing. Now, of course, the right wing still covered this. But I think this this story should be uh, Republicans and conservatives need to see this story because I'll break it down for you very quickly before we get into the nitty gritty in West Virginia the Democrat types are leaving. There are people who are like, I just can't stand all the guns. You live in West Virginia and you're a Democrat, you should probably leave. But for some, but interestingly, a lot of people who lived in, D, in the D.C. area are fleeing West because if you live in D.C., it's like an hour and a half to two hours to get into West Virginia where you have more freedom. So these people will certainly vote, to take it away from you, but then go live in the freer area. However, this has a very obvious re- there's a very obvious reaction to this. More and more people move in, the bluer the place becomes, and then the worse things tend to get. But this is a story about the Democrat types fleeing West Virginia, which will likely make it redder. It's fascinating, right? This means you probably have more conservative-leaning people from West Virginia moving to blue areas, and they're going to then bolster Democrat policy and power. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Republican governors have boasted of their success in keeping their states afloat during the COVID-19 pandemic, compared to their Democrat-run neighbors, where they say their harsh restrictions, lockdowns, and mask mandates have sent residents fleeing. Six GOP leaders appeared on Fox News on Wednesday night in Nashville, where the Republican Governors Association had begun its annual gathering the day before. The governors of Florida, Arizona, Tennessee, Iowa, South Dakota, and New Hampshire were united in their condemnation of Democrat approaches to the pandemic. And scathing in their assessment of President Joe Biden's rule so far, they all agreed that Biden's border policies were failing, with the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, pointing out that neither Biden nor his border czar, Kamala Harris, had even made the effort to visit. All six agreed that the Make America Great Again agenda remained at the heart of the Republican Party. Although they equivocated on whether Donald Trump should be the person to retain control of their party, my I, I believe the answer is no. I like him as a fighter. Maybe DeSantis would be a lot better. Not a big fan of DeSantis across the board for every everything, but overall, DeSantis has nailed it. They say Christy Nome, the 49-year-old governor of South Dakota who is tipped as a future presidential candidate, told host Sean Hannity that the state was thriving post-pandemic. The sparsely populated region, home to 887,000 people has lost 2004 people to COVID. At least one in nine South Dakotans have tested positive for the virus. Yet Nome, one of the few governors to never issue a mask mandate, insisted her approach had been the right one. We did not close a single business ever. We didn't even define an essential business. The US Constitution, I didn't believe, had the authority to tell people their business was not essential. I told people I would trust them and I would let them use personal responsibility to take care of their families and keep their doors open and provide for their employees and customers. The people appreciated it. Nome said her state had the fastest growing GDP in the fourth quarter and lost the least amount of jobs in the country. I believe that's true. We've gone over the data before. South Dakota currently has the lowest unemployment in the country at 2.8%. The U.S. average is 6.1%. Bill Lee of Tennessee said the pandemic... Uh, it has been a distraction for all of America, to say the least. The health crisis is over. The emergency is now over. We have fully opened up and we are moving our state forward. Florida's Ron DeSantis, another potential presidential candidate, said he was most proud of keeping his state's schools open and protecting their senior citizens. Probably the biggest mistake in strategy is locking these kids out of school. They are not following science. This is politics. It's a disgrace. He also took a dig at Andrew Cuomo who has been roundly criticized for sending COVID convalescent patients back to their nursing homes. We prevented COVID patients from being sent to nursing homes, he said. I think that mattered. Moving on, they say cutting taxes, reducing regulation. Really amazing. The Democrats in many of these cities voted for all of this stuff. They just vote D across the board. And then they have to move somewhere that was run by Republicans to actually be happy, satisfied, and free. Unfortunately, I don't think... It will be a real lesson for these people. They say all six of the governors boasted of how their states were drawing new residents fleeing Democrat run areas. Kennedy pointed out that California's population had decreased for the first time in 117 years. Doug Ducey of Arizona said that he thanked their Democrat governors for sending so many people to his state. Reagan said if the Pilgrims landed in California, they would have never discovered the rest of the country (laughs) Nobody leaves California because they want to. It's becoming too painful for lack of opportunities. He said California's problems was it was a result of leadership policy and a lack of quality of life and economic opportunities. Let's break down California for you. The big cities are oligarchy, ultra wealthy elites in in Silicon Valley who claim to be progressive. They are everything we say about communists. Okay, almost not everything, but listen. They claim to be leftist. They push a progressive agenda. And then they milk the, the, the working class. They exploit them. They make tons of money. They manipulate politics. They are crooked. And then you get in, in San Francisco, people taking dumps in the street. To such a horrifying degree, they've created a poop patrol. You think I'm joking? I'm not. They have a public service department for cleaning human waste off the streets. Oligarchy run by progressives. Nome told the audience in Nashville that her team had launched a campaign to encourage frustrated members of law enforcement to move to South Dakota, telling them that her state would welcome them with open arms. She said hundreds and hundreds from 41 states had responded. This is where you're going to get better policing, in my opinion. A lot more constitutionalists. The Tennessee governor said his administration worked to lure new residents with lower taxes and reduced regulations. I think people across the country are looking around unsatisfied in many states with life in particular. Life in the last year has been tough. They have been looking for a long time, but suddenly the difference between our states and those blue states are stark. Their kids have been out of school for a year. In Tennessee, all of the kids are in school. Tennessee is the third lowest tax per capita state. Our regulation in the state is, uh, is really different than in these states that increased regulations. Chris Sununu of New Hampshire said that Biden's administration was handing out too much money to the states and expecting control in return. The nods of approval from his fellow governors, he said they were all pushing back against federal overreach. Now, here's my here's my uh, uh, here's what I'm going to say to these Republican governors. Just start doing what DeSantis is doing. If you get this social media bill like he just signed, you're going to get more businesses to move. West Virginia needs to do this. Otherwise, I've already had the conversation. Florida or Texas, where do we move to? I don't want to move to either. I don't like the weather. they got good governance. And with these social media protection bills, which I believe Abbott of Texas has not yet signed and should, you have a real chance at surviving should these massive multinational corporations try to shut down your business. Imagine if AT&T said, we're cutting your phone service off to your business because we don't like that you serve alcohol or something. We don't like what your business does. We don't like what your owner says, so we're terminating your phone service. What if they said we're terminating your phone line, which then you can't use the credit card services? What if they said we're cutting off your internet? This is where we're at right now with big tech. People have built businesses on these platforms. It is, it is bad for the economy, and it is bad for the commons, our, our, our public discourse. But who's the one defending it? Democrats. Take a look at West Virginia. Biggest population drop, largest in the U.S. You're going to love this one. They say after her company told employees in 2017 to start working remotely, customer service rep Haley Miller decided to break from her lifelong home of West Virginia. The beaches of St. Petersburg, Florida provide a far different view than the mountains of her native state. There are palm trees, a vivacious arts and restaurant scene, and fewer potholes. And it's really, really hot. But sure, that one sounds more like a retirement. They say that she's not alone in leaving. According to newly released data from the U.S. Census Bureau, West Virginia lost a higher percentage of its residents than any other state in the nation. From 2010 to 2020, the population dropped 3.2 percent, or about 59,000 people. Because of that, West Virginia was one of the only seven states to lose a congressional seat following the 2020 census. Reasons for leaving vary, but common themes emerged. A lack of opportunity or low pay, not enough to do, a political climate that some find oppressive, And poor cell phone and internet service, according to the Census Bureau, only 79% of West Virginia households have broadband internet subscription, the fifth smallest rate in the country. They say in an effort to reverse the population losses, West Virginia started encouraging remote workers to move to the state through a program that will pay them $12,000 in cash along with free passes for a year's worth of whitewater rafting, golf, rock climbing, and other outdoor activities. Miller wants no part of it. The energy poured into luring out-of-staters, she said, should be spent helping people who are suffering the most. About 16% of West Virginia residents live in poverty, surpassed only by Arkansas, Kentucky, New Mexico, etc. So this is the lady who wants more government spending, more programs for the needy. That ain't West Virginia, lady. This is a state where people have more freedom, I suppose. Teachers are leaving for better paying jobs, especially in bordering states. Despite winning uh, 5% raises following a lengthy strike in 2018, West Virginia teachers remain 48th in the nation in average salaries, according to the National Education Association. Because of that, many West Virginia County school districts rely heavily on substitutes. When Rebecca Recco left Bell, West Virginia in 2017, she was making 42000 as an art teacher. She now earns $68,000 teaching middle school art in Oakland, California. And how many of you are going to assume that something was lost by a person who was an art teacher attracted to Oakland? No disrespect to Rebecca. I'm, I'm glad she moved and she found something that she's, you know, happier doing. But maybe you're, you're a better fit for Oakland and not for West Virginia, where it's more rugged and people are shooting guns and they understand their responsibilities. Check this out. Moving was more, uh, more than just pay. She described anti-union, anti-teacher sentiment, including new laws passed by the legislature creating charter schools and withholding teacher pay during labor strikes. Okay. West Virginia reminds me of a drunk cousin. It's like the cousin that you have that it can't get itself together. I love West Virginia. I love it. It's where my roots are, but I couldn't with that state anymore. Except with the occasional gift shop, West Virginia is merely a passing thought for motorists and interstates. Andrew Snyder is looking for a reason to come back permanently. He moved out of Charleston when he was a college freshman in 2016 to join the Army because his his wife, after leaving the Army, he found work as a defense contractor in Alabama. His relatives still live in West Virginia. He dreams of moving to Morgantown one day and earning a master's degree. Still, he's concerned about poor broadband and spotty cell service in his native state. Coming back has got to be the right opportunity. Affordability and retirement are two reasons why another person left. But you get the point. For, for many, if not most, of the people who have left, the conflict between the things that led them to leave and their fondness for sweeping mountain vistas, a manageable pace, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 you, you, you get it. Many of the people who left, a lot of people would just say good riddance to. But the reality is a lot of people are also moving in. I, for one, am a good example of people moving to West Virginia. And I plan to bring industry to the state. There are a lot of tax incentives, which are great for starting a business, the Internet, while maybe bad in many areas, it's actually fairly good uh, where, where I'm at. I mean, we have uh, where we're oper- so so we operate on the border. So it's it's the, it's a tri-state area, which means there's a mix between Maryland, Virginia and West Virginia. We have some West Virginia operations, the West Virginia stuff, amazing Internet finger snap and we got good Internet. Maryland, not so much. That was really, really difficult to do. But here's the opportunity I see. I don't want to live in these big cities. They're being run by lunatics who do crazy things for crazy reasons. They are, uh, let, me, let me rephrase. There are insane people running these states with insane policies being pushed for insane reasons, and I'm, I'm likely to be labeled insane for just saying that, if you're familiar with that quote. So I decide to move somewhere else mostly West Virginia, but, but as I mentioned, we're more in the, in, in the tri-state, so it's, it's relatively close to the D.C. Uh, area and the airports, and that's kind of why we did it, because we needed the airport for the shows that we do with guests coming in, but it's an opportunity. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online For me, as somebody who had, so I've, I supported Democrats in the 2020 primaries. Tulsi Gabbard. I was a big fan of Andrew Yang, but, you know, times change. Uh, I wouldn't vote for Yang at this point. I think he's a bit duplicitous. Uh, Tulsi, I think, is fantastic. And now I think the Democratic Party, they should not be supported because you see what the party leaders do once they gain power. So I'm, I'm, I'm having none of it. I'm not a big fan of Republicans, but maybe some individuals. We'll see how that plays out. More libertarian than anything, just because I want to be left alone. But I want opportunity. I want to get away from bad laws. The the laws that that stop me from protecting myself And West Virginia is that opportunity. If you are someone who requires someone else to lead you, then maybe you shouldn't be moving to the frontier or to the wilderness, to the mountains. If you're someone who needs a job to work for someone else, then you'll probably need to wait until industry emerges. That ain't me. I'm the kind of person that if I had to, I'd figure it out. I'd find a way. There's There's a tweet by Zuby. You guys know Zuby. He said... He was convinced that if you started, if you did a great reset and gave everyone $25,000 within two years, the people who were rich before would be rich again, and the people who were poor before would be poor again. And I completely agree. In fact, I think that's just a fact. That's not even an opinion. It's a fact. You take me and you put me in the middle of the woods with nothing, and I will figure it out and I will build something. I'll need a lot of time to build it. But you take some of these people who are fleeing places like, like West Virginia. Well, I, I needed a union to support me. I don't like I don't like unions. I like collective bargaining. I like negotiating tactics. But unions have become something bad, in my opinion. You, you, you rely on someone else. Then maybe you need to go and live in a big city where you'll have mommy, daddy, authoritarian nanny state telling you what to do. But if you're a free thinking leader, then perhaps you'll end up moving into West Virginia. And that's what you don't get from these stories. Look, The Republicans are saying what, what, what people are missing. The Democrats are coming to their states while these states are, are sparsely populated relative to, you know, these massive blue states. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. Florida's got a ton of people, but like South Dakota and West Virginia, Well, West Virginia's got a weird thing going on with Manchin. But I digress. The people who want freedom are the people who believe in personal responsibility, and they have no problem working and supporting themselves. They have no problem accepting the, 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 their own responsibilities and the reaction and consequences for what they do. Those are the people I want to be around. I don't want to be about around whiny Democrats who are complaining the government isn't doing enough for them. I don't want to be around people who are like, I don't know, they should be giving money to poor people, you know, who who are in desperate need. Yeah, I agree that charities should be doing that. And I have no problem with government programs that will help them. But if someone is just in in like they live in a house in the mountains, so they don't have a lot of wealth, as long as they're surviving and they're able to work and live and they're happy, I don't think we should be assuming they need government handouts. But, you know, I am in favor of like unemployment and certain uh, benefits. I just think these people who want to build a society around that Democratic Socialist types, not a big fan of that. I'm much more interested in personal responsibility and hard work. I do tend to lean towards more cooperative markets, but I don't think that scales up. So I'll take a libertarian guy who's going to leave me alone and I'll do the hard work and I'll build my thing and we'll make it work. That's West Virginia. That's not New York City or Los Angeles or Oakland, California. So as people who are more likely to be leftists flee these places or retire and flee, I think you're going to see more people who are sick of the lockdowns and say, I can decide for myself. That means the leaders will be moving in droves to red states and the followers to blue states. I don't know what that leads to. You can figure it out, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.